Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Alex. And uh, today we are kicking off the Eschatology series in full force. So, if you haven't noticed, I, I, I kind of want to put this little precursor out there. But if you didn't notice, when we did the Attribute series, I actually named, or I titled them... Um, as a pretext attributes of God, but then I gave them a, a season two because uh, I felt like season one was Paul and I's trip through. Season two was me taking over, running through the attributes, and now I feel like each time we do a new series, they're going to get a different season. So that way, it's easier for organization for me. Easier if I tell you, you know, down the road, I can say, oh, you know, check this out, episode season five, episode eighteen, or whatever it may be, right? So this was actually going to be season three, episode number one. Uh, the The intro we talked about last week is uh, I'll probably do season three, episode zero, kind of like the pilot, if you would, because um, I'm trying to just, I don't know, mold this into, um, I might make that episode one. I really don't know yet. I'm still recording this before these even air, you know, a couple weeks in advance. So you can ignore my mumbling here as I ponder through my brain but uh this definitely will be season three and and like i said the reason i'm doing that is just for organization pieces and just i don't know something different so guys this is the eschatology series we did the intro last week so we walked through kind of the outline of what we are going to do with this series um and as we've done that again there's this is going to be a long series so I am taking my time. I'm unpacking a lot of material. Uh, this isn't something that I'm just picking up and throwing to the wind. Uh, I, you know, I didn't obviously do that with the attribute series, but uh, it will not be near as lighthearted, I think. Um, but this is going to be definitely one that you'll want to take your notepad with and sit down and take notes. Uh, I will try to explain things as simple as possible and keep things as light as possible uh, as kind of the character nature of this show. But as we get into this, there's going to be some topics that are going to be rather difficult to talk about. And tonight's one of those topics. And tonight is going to be death. And I talked about that last week, that the first episode that I'm going to really do in this series is on um, the end of our lives. Because I think it plays a, a massive role in understanding the end of times. It, it, it plays a role in understanding who Christ is. It plays a role in understanding who we are. And I think this is kind of the precursor to everything. So we're going to talk about death tonight. Uh, then we're going to talk about heaven and hell in the next two episodes. Um, 
Anthony was gracious enough to join me for the heaven episode. And the Bible dingers, they will join me for hell. And then after that, we will start to unpack uh, some of the bigger topics at hand. So uh, I wanted to set this up, like I said, to basically get us into a position where we are ready to um, get into the bigger materials. We have a good foundation laid on what scripture says about death, what scripture says about heaven and hell, and how will those things play um, play a role in this whole series. So guys, um, just a quick few house cleaning tips as I do before all the shows. Make sure you check out Logos.com. Uh, Get your copy of that fantastic Bible software. That's exactly what I've been using t- for most of my prep in this series because it is been it's been amazing. Um, I can just sit and read books on my phone. I can read them on my PC. Uh, I can take notes. I can underline, highlight, all this sort of great things. It's amazing. I have all my Bibles. I have different translations. I have all the commentaries I could need. It's invaluable to me as a resource. Even if you're not in ministry or seminary, it's great for all laymen. It's great for you know families leading Bible studies. Just for instance, uh, you know, I think I mentioned on one of the episodes, my wife and I are going through the book of Matthew, and we had a question, uh, and it was one that I didn't really have a good answer to, so I pulled out my um, logo software on my phone, went to um, two or three different Bible uh, study Bibles that I have, looked at the notes, talked about the notes, and you know, felt that they were co- you know coherent and in agreement across a couple different ones, and so it helped us understand a passage a little bit better. So it's and it's in. I can't even describe how amazing it is. So check that out, guys. Also, um, if you want to get in on some of the stuff that I'm doing with the patrons, a dollar a month gets you in on that. Uh, we're doing right now bi-weekly Bible studies. We, did, we have talked about moving them more frequently. I'd love to do that. Um, but uh, bi-weekly Bible studies, we're going through the Gospel of Mark and after that, we're going to probably open into um, a letter, an epistle, or something. Um, but we are uh, trudging through that, and, and people love it. I love it. It's a great community. And uh, so I do that. And then, obviously, you get access to study notes. You get access to my seminary work. You get access to early releases of podcasts, early releases of my sermons, all that kind of stuff. Um, I make sure to help and uh, give back to that community because you guys have been again another invaluable group to me you guys have supported this and kept me running um since uh, the beginning of the show and so my my love and gratitude for you is immensely deep so thank you all for all that you've done um so that's the house cleaning tips um like i said i just really really want to make sure that uh um i continue talking about the logos bible software because it's truly amazing it really is amazing um so logos.com forward slash undying light you can also find undying light and uh, the patron both of those links are in my link tree on instagram if you have questions or anything dm me again a dollar as low as a dollar a month gives you access to everything um, people do give more because they feel that they want to contribute more to this ministry and i am you know, that is perfectly fine with me. And I, I can't thank you enough for those who help, you know, support me at, on any level. I mean, it's, it, it, you guys are truly amazing people and I love you all to death. So speaking of death, this topic seems to be quite a solemn and hard to cover topic. Um, it honestly took me a lot to even come to the decision that I was going to write this episode. And it took a lot in the early planning stages of this series to even decide that I wanted to include this episode. And so um, when I was going through it, I, I said, guys, I really juggled it up and I decided that it, it was probably best because I felt like I could 
you know, really make this something that's hopefully understandable, uh, cohesive enough and respectful enough to the end of our lives, um, the end of our li- the lives of our loved ones, family, our friends, um, church members. So everybody who's, you know, come before us has experienced it. We will experience it. It's inevitable uh, unless Christ comes back before we all kick the bucket. Um, it's something that we will experience. And so it's something that we should start to understand. It's not one thing I think a Christian should ever neglect. Um, these topics in this series is not, uh, are not topics to neglect. We should take these extremely seriously and we should, um, you know, at least have a good firm understanding of death, heaven, hell, you know, those types of things because they are extremely important. So without further ado, let's kick this off. So everybody kind of has an understanding of what death is, right? It's the end of your life. The moment at which you cease to be. And I'm sure that we've all experienced death at some form, whether it's a loved one, um, a parent, sibling, maybe even a child for some of us. Um, thankfully not me, but, uh, you know, I know that some people have experienced that. I remember sitting in high school and, um, my math teacher who wasn't very old, I think he was in his mid twenties. Him and his wife just had a kid, their first child and, um, little boy. And they had, uh, another couple uh, watching him, babysitting him. And he's probably uh, eight or 10 months old at this time. And um, the two guys were friends. They were both teachers at our school. And it just so happened that an accident happened while they were babysitting and uh, the child died. And I, I mean, I, I remember the, the the grief that came over the school. Um, I, I remember having a couple classmates pass away when we were in high school had a very dear friend of mine um, pass away just shortly after high school and uh, this guy was larger than life <laughs> and he was he was something but um, his brother went on to ministry he's doing uh, prison ministry now and uh, he's a prison chaplain and I remember he was telling me that uh, um, his brother who passed away said to him one day he goes you know, I think I'm ready to go. I think, uh, how do you phrase it? I think I'm ready to be with Jesus now. And within like a week, he passed away. And, you know, so you kind of get these, um, these life experiences. And it makes you still wonder, what is it going to be like? What's death going to um, be like? how am I going to experience it? And these are questions that are often dodged. You know, the most, the most one, um, the common, I guess, way to go out is, you know, in your sleep when you're old and, you know, got nothing left to give, uh, that would be ideal. Like for most people, um, obviously painless would be another (laughs) good way to go. I mean, I don't want to suffer. I don't think anybody does, but you know, that's the unfortunate effect of being a Christian is that we will face suffering. So it's, uh, like I said, this is a tough topic and I want to try to be as delicate as possible, but uh, so let's unpack this, right? So death is the separation of body and soul. It's this, I, it's this, point when you cease to function uh it's not you know you can't really call somebody in a coma dead because there is some light i guess brain activity i'm not a doctor so i I really couldn't tell you the the effects of uh you know a coma state but there's enough that you can come out of a coma and can and live a life um there's but there's a point when you are alive and then you stop 
ceasing. When your heartbeat stops, when the brain stops functioning, your organs stop, everything just ends. We are all put on this earth for a predetermined amount of time. And the moment that God says, nope, that is when you die. That is death. So there's a couple views which I came across in my studies. I knew about them, but they're 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 a little bit interesting. So I want to talk about it really quick as we kind of unpack it. So one is called trichotomy, and the other is called dichotomy. So trichotomy is this uh, is the view that there's two parts to the body. There's the body and the soul. So um, I was doing some research. Probably the best thing that I found on this was Zondervan, uh, Zondervan uh, Academic has a really good article. Um, and any of these sites that I cite from uh, a lot, I'll put links in there just so I can, you know, ensure that, um, you, one, I uh, give them the respect owed and uh, help, you know, if you have, have questions on certain things to maybe point you to something that uh, maybe explains a little bit better. So they kind of run through it. So the first view that they lay out is the trichotomy. And this is a common view in Christianity. It's the body, the soul, and the spirit. And it seems to be the most common view in today's um, evangelical Bible teaching. And there's, um, But there are a few scholarly defenses against it. So according to many trichotomists, man's soul includes his intellect, his emotions, and his will. They maintain that all people have such a soul and that the different elements of the soul can either serve God or give in to sin. A person's spirit, however, is a higher faculty that only comes alive when a person becomes a Christian. And then they cite Romans 8.10. If Christ is in you, although your bodies are dead to sin because your, sp- your spirits are alive because of righteousness, the spirit is part of us that most directly worships and prays to God. And then they also cite John 4.24 and Philippians 3.3. 3. So then they come to the two parts, the body and the soul. And again, this is a whole um, deep dive. This is a whole topic in of itself. Um, not what I'm going to get into on this particular episode, but um, this is a great article. I will cite it in the notes because I want to ensure that if people want to learn a little bit more, they can. But just to clarify too, so that's the trichotomy. The dichotomy is a view that man is only made up of two parts, the body and soul slash spirit. They group spirit and soul together. Uh, that's called dichotomy. Those that hold to this view often agree that scripture uses the word spirit uh, more frequently when referring to our, our relationship with God, but the usage, they say, is not uniform, and that the word soul is also used in all the ways that the spirit can be used. So there are these two distinctions, right? There's these two views of um, the body and the soul and how they are, you can call it organized, right? Um, for this particular conversation, um I've never really determined myself to to either one of these camps. Trichotomy seems to fall more in line with what Scripture says. Um, and so, again, as we unpack this, these are things that I'm learning, and I will p- take a particular position on these probably in the last episode. So stay tuned for the, for the grand finale, and, and we'll uh, unpack that a little bit more. But... Um, trichotomy seems to make sense across most scripture, but I'm not going to take a particular position. I am just here to simply educate and show you that there are actually two distinct views of the human body, the soul, and the spirit. So, so that's what really death is, right? It's the ending of our life, and that's what we get. So let's look at some scripture. Hebrews 9.27, and just as is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he put eternity into man's heart yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And also, we should note 
the fall in the garden when death enters the world. Adam and Eve were not created to die. They were not created to experience sin and suffering and troubles in the body, illness even. But when they partook and disobeyed God, they um, allowed death and sin to enter into the world. And now we get to experience death. Not that well, I can say it's a bad thing. Death kind of stinks. I'm not going to lie. You know, it's it's not a fun topic to uh, <laughs> to to uh, engage with. And I know from coming from a pastoral standpoint, it's going to be a very difficult conversation with people uh, after they lose a loved one, after their uh, an accident of you know maybe losing a child or a spouse or you know a sibling it's not easy and but what we can get is comfort out of scripture knowing that death is not always the end it's not always the step that we face there's always something more and god has given us that he's shown that to us all through scripture that we can partake in eternal life with Christ. And we see that kind of just played out all throughout Scripture, which is absolutely beautiful. So, death, unfortunately, is necessary. It is necessary to fit you in for the full enjoyment of God. Once we die, the next thing we know is Christ telling us to get up. After we die, the next thing we get to experience is Christ. As we will actually uncover here in the next few sections of the episode. But let's make something clear before we really start to get further into this text, this conversation. That there is a difference between being spiritually dead and being physically dead. Because we hear a lot of people, especially the reform circles, talking about, oh, I was dead. And Christ made me alive while well, you were spiritually dead means you had no desire for anything righteous of God. You had no cares whatsoever. You did not pay two pennies to the workings of God. Could have cared less. And so being spiritually dead and being physically dead are obviously very different. Spiritually dead, you can still function in your life. You still get up, go to work. You can even take care of your family and be a good provider, be a good spouse, and raise your kids and love your kids. But you don't know who Christ is. Therefore, you are spiritually dead. And when you die, not knowing Christ, you will experience judgment. So being spiritually dead, being physically dead, are two very different things. And we see that given to us in Ephesians 2. And I just want to read that to you just so we can kind of get a good perspective of um, what that uh, text actually says. Because it gets quoted quite often all over the place. And I want to make sure that uh, we... uh, we nail it out. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in our passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is a beautiful verse. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared us beforehand that we should walk in them. 
So a couple of things to really pick out of this, right? We were still dead. Paul makes it very clear that we were following the prince of power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We lived out the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind. We were children of wrath. So we were still very functional human beings. But being physically dead, obviously, is we cannot partake in any of that. So, what happens next? That's the great question. There's a lot of a lot of dirt roads we can go down on this topic. Interestingly enough, when we talk on the episode about heaven, we're going to talk a little bit about fake trips to heaven, so I'm not going to really cover it here. I'm not going to talk about the... Um, going you know the uh near-death experiences or um you know oh, i went to heaven and then we saw this that and the other and then came back or i went to hell and we saw this that and the other and came back we're going to save those for those episodes um but it's interesting though as i was really doing this that there's not the, the bible really doesn't tell us you know a great picture of when you die, this is what happens. We see some text that is alluding to that. You know, Paul makes that, you know, um, when we are dead, we are, you know, with Christ or we are in the presence of Christ. And so we get some of that um, imagery painted for us. And so that's comforting, but it doesn't really give us like the step-by-step guide of all that's going to happen. And what we, what I have found, at least in, in my journey is that again the early church has created kind of these little inlets and outs of of theology they've gone and explored and expanded things that don't really necessarily need to be explored or expanded and one such awesome topic is purgatory now I'm not going to get into it again too deep on this episode. It's something I will probably cover on the hell episode um, or heaven. We might kind of touch a little bit on both, get some different perspectives. I'm curious at what the Bible dingers are going to guys are going to come up with, and uh, so. But really, what purgatory is is a uh, the next stage at which we will face when we die. The Catholics have created this theology that you will have to go to purgatory to either work off some of your sins or you will have to you know go there because you were a bad person or you just may not be good enough to get into heaven therefore your family has to buy merits to get you out of purgatory and it's it's a ridiculous theology uh there's there's a few pieces that you can probably use to manipulate scripture to make it seem like purgatory is a thing um, but there's not anything real definitive about it so um, so we'll do a little I'll give a little good snippet on the next couple episodes about that just because it's you know um, a particular place and not necessarily the you know function of what we do or you know may uh, encounter so uh, I think the places themselves should have their own particular episode. And I'll just kind of, because I feel like it's a fake reality, a fake theology, we'll include it in the next couple episodes. So, um, so here's kind of getting into really the, what happens next. So here's just a couple of things. These are in no particular order. Um, but these are some of the things that I have kind of come across. So the first thing is soul sleep. So this is a belief that when somebody dies, they just sleep. They are unconscious. They are. They have no um, understanding of time. No understanding of the world around them. They are literally. You can think of them as you know, really in a coma, maybe, but even deeper, literally because they're dead, but their soul is sleeping, and they sleep until resurrection. Uh, this is a position that is taking taken usually by Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh Day Advent uh, Adventists. 
Uh, and they often love to point to Ecclesiastes 9, 5, and 12, 7. So I'll read those here. For the living know when they die, but the dead do not know anything, nor have they any longer a reward for their memory is forgotten. In twelve seven. then the dust will return to the earth as it is, and the spirit will return to God who gave them. Which is funny because twelve seven actually uh, speaks more against soul sleep because now you're talking... Um, that your spirits will actually go back to God, right? God is the one that gave us the spirit. He's the one that made us in the womb. Therefore, when we die, we go to be with God. And even those who do happen to die without Christ will go face God and face judgment. So there's, again, this is where we start to get into these. And I'll talk a little bit about the judgment piece because in a few minutes, because there's this, what happens to believers, what happens to unbelievers, it's, again this whole thing is it's a i can't do it justice in the 45 minutes i'm going to talk to you guys today so hopefully this conversation will kind of stream out across all of these episodes because this is such a important topic and it deserves the respect that it gets um that it should get across all of these episodes so so the next particular view is an intermediate state. Um, this is kind of believed to be um, as a semi-purgatory, if you would, but this is where we start to get into the different f- uh, phases before judgment, pre-judgment or post-judgment type things. So we have, uh, it's a belief state between death and the resurrection. Uh, for believers, it's a conscious bliss with the Lord. For the unbeliever, it is a time of torment before the final judgment and resurrection. So let's kind of expand that a little bit. So the believer gets to go and be with Christ. So when we die in Christ, we the next thing we get to hear is the words of Jesus telling us to get up, to arise, to follow him, whatever his words may particularly be. The believer, unfortunately, does not get to hear those words because they will be waking up into uh, a, to torment, right? So we see that kind of played out in, uh, as Jesus is talking about in the Gospels, where in the um, parables where he talks about what heaven is like, and then he get, paints this picture of the wedding feast, and then they throw out the guest, and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it's always kind of the image they paint, weeping, gnashing of teeth, torment type thing. That's where this this view comes to. So the unbeliever or those who do not belong will be thrown into this pit of torment. And this will occur until the final judgment takes place and the resurrection takes place. Again, topics we will get to on later shows. So this intermediate state is something that's not a quote-unquote purgatory like but it's something that is a little bit is a lot more enjoy it can be viewed across scripture as we will take a look at some scripture to actually uh, enforce so digging in there's all sorts of particular scriptures that we can point to so i want to look at second corinthians 5 verses 6 through 8 so we are always of good courage we know that while we are at home in the body we are away from the lord for we walk by faith and not by sight yes we are good we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and be at home with the lord and yet the new testament frequently affirms to a future resurrection of the body in fact while paul understood that it is gain to that to die is gain because it is a departure to be with Christ. But he understood bodily resurrection to be the ultimate salvation. Together, these two truths, the soul's immediate presence with the Lord and a future bodily resurrection, imply an intermediate state in which the soul awaits the resurrection of the body. And so there's actually, there's a lot of really good articles um, after on you know the in- intermediate state. So I'll cite this one as well for those who would like to read through it. It's a it's a pretty short read. Um, doesn't take too particular long, but you know, it, I do want to make a note here on the intermediate state and 
for instance, like the soul sleeping. Um, so in my journey, it's interesting because some of the people that kind of are in support of soul sleep, like for instance, Martin Luther and some Anabaptists in the Reformation, modern day Jehovah's Witness and Seventh day Adventists that I've mentioned earlier, um, have advanced this idea of soul sleep and that the idea of soul sleep exists in a state of unconsciousness between death and a resurrection. Doubtless, the Bible at times likens death to sleep four times in 1 Corinthians 15 and three times in 1 Thessalonians 4. Paul uses the imagery of sleep in reference to death, but several considerations suggest that the soul is not in a state of unconsciousness existent existence after death, including the many biblical passages um, cited above in this article that argue against the conscious existence after death. So it's, uh, you know, I don't, again, I don't agree with everything Luther said and taught. This would be something I don't agree with him um, on the soul sleep, but I do think uh, that there is an immediate state. So I will, you know, go to that realm to say it. it because we can also use the thief on the cross as a an example right jesus tells the thief that today you will be with me in paradise so that doesn't reference that the thief is gonna sleep for a while and then be with jesus or that the certain amount of time has to lapse or jesus didn't say at the resurrection i'll remember you um, or anything like that jesus says you will be with me in paradise today implying that he will be consciously in the presence of the Lord today. So that's an interesting little piece um, that I really enjoy. I guess it brings comfort to me um, because it, it allows me to sit and think that, you know, when I die, the next thing I know is that Christ is going to tell me to get up. And the other, the other aspect to it too is, you're not necessarily wrong in whether you believe in an intermediate state or soul sleep, because here's the thing. When you're dead, you're, you're not conscious to time or anything. So you don't know how much time is necessarily passed between you dying and you hearing the words of Christ. You just don't. So is Luther and the seventh day Adventists and the Jehovah's witnesses wrong? Um, uh, I don't believe that's the case that they're right, but I can't say that they're necessarily wrong. It's an interesting little, this is again, secondary doctrine. It does not matter against your salvation, whether you take this particular view or not. Um, but I think from what I've read that an intermediate state being in the blissful consciousness of the Lord is where we will be. Uh, so judgment now, this is, again, something that we will greatly unpack as we explore through all of the end times prophecies. We will look at um, all of the different views. We will read through Revelation. So judgment is going to be a big topic, right, as we go into this series. Um, but for, this, for, the, for the position of death, there's a couple of things that we need to kind of just unpack here really quick. Believers, when you die, your judgment was living in this world, suffering, being persecuted in this world. When you die, you will be with the Lord. Unbelievers, this is the greatest gift they will ever have, is this world. And I had to go and incite Revelation um, because I felt like it's pretty much relevant to this particular topic. So... Um, this is what John wrote. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged by the way this goes back to the intermediate state um, and actually adds further um, scriptural proof to that verse 13 here which by the way is chapter 20 in Revelation verse 13 I want to make sure we're clear on that this 
adds to the fact that there is a place where the dead will be it says and the sea gave up the dead who are in it death and Hades gave up the dead who are in it which um, as we get to Revelation we'll actually unpack what it means by the sea that's kind of an interesting little note that John writes here Um, death and Hades will give up uh, the dead who are in it and they will be judged each of them according to what they had done then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was also thrown into the lake of fire so when so there's this pretext right so when we die the believers do have to give an account for their life but they're not judged because they will be given the righteousness of christ they will be clothed in white they will they are heirs to the righteousness and the eternal life of christ unbelievers don't have that so their names will not be found in the book of life so there's also this belief that there's two judgments Uh, there's one judgment or that uh, believers will technically face two judgments we will face the judgment when we die and then we face the judgment at the end of times and then the unbelievers will face technically a judgment by being thrown into hell or hades and then they will face a judgment at uh, the end of times as well during the second coming of christ so we will actually unpack you know hades when we get into hell we'll talk about the different views of hell and things like that so verse 13 will hopefully you know be understood a little bit better um by the end of the next couple of episodes because um in in this particular view right just reading this off it sounds like death is actually a place where where um you know people go to but it's not (laughs) it's there's just views on heaven hell and then there's views on hades as being a place um and the early church had some really interesting views on death and the underworld it's quite fascinating actually um I, I read a book and it actually kind of explains some of it a little bit because it has to go through the early church's views on it and it's called he descended to the dead and it was a talk about the death and resurrection of christ and it's an interesting book because it has to go through all of the different things did christ go to hell did christ go to hades did christ go to this place of the dead and you know what did it look like and so there's all these different views and honestly it, it it's really it was a great book and i learned a lot about those you know like what the actual writers wrote about um, and what the early jewish church and early christian church held views on in terms of death and the afterlife um, some of it is as we kind of move through time some of it does get a, become a little bit more borrowed from uh, greek myth, uh, mythology and starts to get into other philosophical realms and then you start to add like purgatory and things like that on top of it so it's a great and interesting book but um again a topic for a different episode for death of christ but for this sake we will be unpacking that a little bit more in our episode on hell so we will answer to christ for our life but we will be able to enjoy our blissful time with him before the resurrection and then after that then we get into the whole conversation on the thousand year reign and new heavens and new earth things like that so but for the unbelievers it's a whole different story they experience torment and then they get called out to be judged and then they get thrown back into the lake of fire i mean verse 14 then death and hades were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire i mean that just right there is just a nail in the coffin it's a grim reminder a grim reminder of what we face and why this gospel is so important because tomorrow isn't promised to anybody you know we just as i'm recording this it's the 18th of july we just experienced the death yesterday of j.i packer a great theologian a titan 
of the faith died 93. Now, I want to think, did J.I. Packer know he was going to die? Did he have a premonition that his death was coming soon? It's We don't know. But we do know that for us today, today wasn't promised for him yesterday. He was taken yesterday. And so that's why this gospel is so important. It's so key to people. Because this gospel is what saves people from the lake of fire. This gospel is life-giving. And to withhold it from people is the worst thing we can do. So the last couple sections before we wrap this episode. Bodily resurrection. We know that there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen. 1 Corinthians 15, 13. But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ was not risen. Paul drives forward this, that Christ was risen. The resurrection is something that happens to us at the end of times. Christ will give us a new body. And it's what we start to unpack is, is really some neat theology here. First John 3, 2, the believer will be like the resurrected body of Christ. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. Now, let's make clear note that we will not be angels. We will not be little gods. But our bodies will be a resemblance to Christ's body. Who Christ will transform his lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according by the works by which he was able to subdue all things to himself. It's a promise that we are given that we will experience a bodily resurrection at the end of times. And we get to see that, right? Because Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians, and we also see that in John. This affirms there is a resurrection. John 20, Then he, Jesus, said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Paul tells us in Romans 8, If the spirit of him who was raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. So a lot of things going on in that verse, but the biggest thing I want to pull, pull out of it is that Christ was risen from the dead. That's it right there. And there's so much more, right, talking about Christ risen from the dead. I just finished reading Matthew with my wife before I recorded this episode. We got to ver- cha- uh, chapter 28. And the angel appears in front of the women and says that he is not here, but he has risen. The body of Christ that was laid in a tomb is the same body that is telling Thomas to put your finger into my side. It's the same body. Now, we do get to see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke his transfiguration. They narrate that scene. We see his glorified body, but they don't describe it. But that's Again, a different topic, right? But we get the promise that Christ is there in the flesh, talking to Thomas, talking to the disciples. He was in the flesh when he met the women on the road to Galilee. He was in the flesh when he came back from the dead. Plain and simple. So we have this promise in Scripture that Christ will give us a new body, during the resurrection for his people. So that is a beautiful promise. And I think that's the way we should end this episode because there's so much to take into. There's so much more to study and read. This is a topic that can't be exhausted, like I said, in one single episode and probably not even in a series. Death is not an an easy topic to deal with. It's not something that we um, love to talk about, but it's something we need to embrace. And uh, to be honest with you, From a biblical perspective, it's something the church needs to start talking about because it makes dealing with death easier. doesn't mean that it should be celebrated. 
it shouldn't be a you know a party or anything but what people need through the grieving process is to hear the scripture to hear the gospel to hear that christ went ahead and prepared a room for that person as as he tells the disciples in matt and john 14 so let's go ahead let's go ahead and end this episode on that note that we will have the promise of a resurrected body Ladies and gentlemen, there's no cleanup notes today because this is a solemn episode, and I hope uh, it helped maybe unpack a few things, maybe to cause some more questions, and that's great. Uh, That's what I hope it does. I hope it causes you to do more research. I hope it causes you to inspire you to to dig into Scripture more and read more articles and read books and, and understand the theology around death. There's so much out there, and and if you're interested, DM me. I'll point you to my resources. I'm going to link some of the notes into the show notes for this uh, episode, so that way you can reference them as well. Um, Again, I didn't pull all my content exclusively only through a couple of the sources that I used, but I did use um, some quite frequently because they were invaluable to me, just as Logos Bible Software has been. So... Uh, that's it for me today guys next week we're going to be talking about heaven hopefully a little bit more light spirited episode Anthony's going to be with me uh, I, as it's been a few weeks still until this actually airs I haven't recorded that episode yet but it's going to happen in a couple days so. ladies and gentlemen thank you for all that you do to support the show I love you so much I hope you all have a great weekend God bless Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.